everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to our Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Welcome to another week. We are excited to have all of you listeners joining us today. Today, we are exploring how vaping can impact our patients' oral health. And I think many consider vaping as not quite as harmful to oral health as smoking cigarettes. Studies show that vaping can have a negative effect on teeth and overall health. So we wanted to talk about this today because as hygienists, we encounter patients frequently that vape. In fact, current stats say that 11% of Americans smoke electronic cigarettes. Millions have turned to vaping, believing it a safer alternative to smoking. And it's reported that among Americans, millennials rank highest for vape, vape use. So I've personally had several patients tell me that they're vaping to help with smoking cessation as they are gradually using decreased levels of nicotine. And this is a common thought, as stats also say that 71.5% of U.S. adults believe that using e-cigarettes will help them quit smoking. We, of course, as hygienists, are all for smoking cessation, but we also believe that it's our responsibility to educate our patients on the risks that using e-cigarettes can pose. The warnings about vaping, inhaling the vapor of electronic cigarettes, tend to focus on the potential dangers to the heart and lungs, but an increasing amount of research shows the chemicals in e-cigarettes start to inflict damage right where they enter the body, your mouth. What we need to understand is that vaping is not inhaling a harmless vapor. It's actually inhaling an aerosol, much like hairspray or bug spray, an aerosol containing nicotine, propylene glycol, benzene, formaldehyde, heavy metals such as nickel, tin, and lead, and other toxic toxic chemicals. And we're going to dig deeper into those harmful ingredients in more detail later. We know that the oral cavity has really resilient tissue that heals faster than any other part of the body. But we also know that when you repetitively traumatize it, that's when you end up having issues that are irreversible. Those issues can range from inflammation, dry mouth, tooth decay, to periodontal disease, and oral cancer. So interesting what you just said about how your oral cavity has really resilient tissue because it is really resilient and quick healing. And I guess that that's the nature of like mucosa and whatever's underneath it, but it also is like one of the thinnest tissues. So that's like, you know, an, an issue. We talk about oral cancer and prevalence and incidence. And the, the reason why there's so much late detection is because it, moves so quickly through the yes. thin tissues, you know, so I can imagine even though the tissue heals quickly, it's also very permeable, you know, and very vascular. And so and, that's a big issue. Yeah. And very thin, you know, there's yeah. not a whole lot of layers there to go through. So yeah, exactly. exactly. So some studies from the university of Rochester, New York and the university La Laval in Quebec, Canada found evidence for vaping's negative effects on oral cells. So the Rochester study found astringent flavorings and other substances in vaping solutions can damage cells. 
The Quebec study found a staggering increase in the normal oral cell death rate from 2% to 53% in three days after exposure to e-cig vapor. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. Um, A study published earlier this year in the journal iScience showed that 43% of people using e-cigarettes had gum disease and oral infections. The figure was higher among smokers, so 73%, but only 28% among people who neither smoked nor vaped. Another study published in Science Advances concluded the oral microbiome, the vast collection of friendly bacteria, viruses, and other microbes that live in the mouth, of e-cigarette users without gum disease looked a lot like the microbiome of people with periodontitis. Dr. Pranima Kumar, a researcher and professor at the Ohio State University College of Dentistry, and the study's senior author said, e-cigarettes stress the bacterial communities that live in your mouth, and they encase themselves in slime. So they're no longer good bacteria, and the inflammatory response is through the roof. People are walking around thinking they're healthy, but they're just primed for disease. So that's really, really interesting. So e-cigarettes just the bacterial communities that live in your mouth encase themselves in slime. So what it sounds like is that even the good bacterias, good bacteria get damaged or altered so that they're no longer serving you. And that's right. Well, problem. yeah, for sure. And then we know, you know, when we think about the processes of periodontal disease, we know that some of these pathogens, you know, PG for sure is one that once it gets involved in the mix, it, it starts to actually change the DNA of the bacteria around it and permeates the whole, you know, kind of changes that whole community over to be a negative community. Right. So that reminds me of like cancer, you know, like a, a normal cell um, becomes an abnormal cell and starts multiplying, you know, and then it becomes a big issue. Right. Uh, last December, the American Dental Association issued a statement urging a ban on e-cigarettes not approved by the Food and Drug Administration to help people quit smoking, as well as more research on the effects of vaping on oral health. Uh, when working with patients that are facing upcoming oral surgery, the recommendations are you should wait for 72 hours after a tooth extraction before you vape. Um, And according to the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, vaping poses risks to oral health and may lead to many complications if used after surgery. For one, uh, nicotine can make it harder to heal after surgery and may cause complications like infection. And then there's, of course, the dreaded dry socket. The sucking motion involved in vaping and smoking can remove the blood clots that form at the site of the infection, exposing the bone underneath and causing extreme pain. The longer you can resist using e-cigarettes after surgery, the better from a recovery point of view. Um, We know that mouth ulcers or canker sores can be caused by stress and acidic foods. And it turns out that vaping is another major cause of mouth ulcers as well due to the high temperature produced by vapes. This comparative study between former smokers and e-cigarettes, e-cigarette users found that vape users are more susceptible to ulcers and inflammation. Not only can vaping cause canker sores, but vaping chemicals uh, also can make it more difficult to recover from them. Let's talk for a minute about uh, tooth damage and bruxism. So nicotine, when inhaled through vaping, acts as a muscle stimulant. This causes bruxism or grinding of teeth and, and worsens the problem if you already have this problem. Grinding or clenching your teeth often leads to damage of the tooth and other dental health complications, as we know, such as uh, facial collapse, um, you know, restricted airway, pain, uh, you know, just, just all the things that come with TMJ complications when we lose that vertical dimension. 
So let's talk for a minute about something that's really, really important for our society as a whole and for future health projections. So let's talk about how vaping is affecting our teens currently. And, and I'm not a parent, so it's difficult for me to talk about this because I almost feel like, what do I know? But the stats will speak for themselves. And I think that if, if I were a parent, I think that I would find it really difficult to believe that my teen or my kid, you know, as, as much effort and energy and love and protection as I would imagine I put into raising them. Like, I would think that it's hard for me to believe that my kid would vape. And Sharissa, please speak into this because you have two teenage boys. So tell me what, what, you know what I mean? Like, I know that I know how you have raised your kids and I know that your family has strong values. You, you value health. Like you've really invested, like you are soccer mom of the year. You know, Chris is soccer dad of the year. You guys are hyper, hyper involved in like all your kids' relationships and their, their life and their extracurricular. So tell me, you know, how hard would it be for you um, as a mom, especially in your field and profession, like how hard would it be for you to imagine that your kiddos could possibly be vaping at school at their age? Well, that would be hard for me um, because we are very involved and I talk a lot to my kids. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I can say, you know, Benjamin and he'll look at me and he'll say, don't do drugs <laughs> because we've had a lot of conversations over life where, you know, we just talk about, you know, all the temptations and dangers that are out there. And I know because not only do I have teenage boys, but I also mentor teenage girls. So I spend a lot of time with high schoolers every week. Um, and I know, unfortunately, vaping is really, really prevalent in teen life right now. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's easy to hide it, you know, you don't smell anything, you don't, you can not necessarily see anything, you don't know what's going on, mm -hmm. but it's so, so detrimental to their health, and they don't even realize it, you know, it, it's like everything else with teens is like, oh, that, I think that's cool, so I'm going to do that, and they don't really understand the full ramifications that come from it. Um, but it's something that I think we as clinicians need to be very aware of and thinking about. And honestly, as we were preparing and researching for this, like I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, patients are coming to mind where I've seen patients with, you know, pretty extensive decay at their age. And I'm thinking what's going on. And I'm talking to like, are you eating a lot of sweets? And I got to be honest and say that vaping doesn't always occur to me, but after, after this, I think it sure will. Um, and, you know, it's also one of those hard things because if a patient is doing this and their parents aren't aware, they're not always going to be open with you. Right. But I think it's just at least having that conversation of like, hey, you know, I don't have to have this conversation with your mom, but I just am curious, like, is vaping a thing for you? Because what I'm seeing in your mouth looks like there, that might be the case. And I want to talk to you about what those dangers can be and, you know, how this all correlates. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners, we have some big, exciting news. We are proud to announce that our 2022 Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and observe your spot. We can't wait to see you there. So I have an awkward question for you. Okay. If you had to guess, do you think that either of your teenage boys have experimented with vaping ever? 
I do not. I would be shocked okay. because okay. they're very vocal about how stupid they think it is. Oh, I see. Okay. Got it. And they have some friends who have done it and they've talked about that and they've Got talked it. to them about it. So I would be shocked. Yeah. Oh, what a great dialogue you have with your kids. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> that's honestly incredible. That's, on, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. So teen use an estimated 3.02 million American high schoolers engage in vaping the official data comes from the CDC from 2020 and shows that 19.6% of high school students in America use e-cigarettes. One out of five. One out of five. Holy cow. Like, I can't imagine that all those parents know. I can't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, even worse, nearly 38.9% of them admitted to frequent use. Also, 22.5% of students who frequently vape are doing so daily. The other group of students reported vaping more than 20 out of 30 days, so most days. The pandemic has positively impacted vaping among youths. So one, that, one good thing that the pandemic has brought us. You know, we got to take the wins with the losses. Yes. If there's anything good that comes out of the pandemic, I will absolutely accept that. The vaping data shows that a dip in e-cigarette and vaping products among America's youth occurred during 2020. High schoolers' usage dropped from 28% as reported in 2019 to under 20% in 2020. Middle school students went from 11% in 2019 to 5% in 2020. So let's just talk about middle school students. Okay, you are 11 and 12 and 13 years old in yep. middle school. Yep, isn't that crazy? I am like thinking about the 11 and 12 and 13 year olds that I see like walking around like with their moms and they you know, don't even have their own money. They can't drive. Like, are you kidding me? It's hard for me to believe. If I were a parent, I would be freaking out. I'd be like, I would have a meltdown. Well, and this is really interesting. The fact that we've seen this decline during pandemic says a lot about a lot of this is accessibility, right? Right. I was just thinking that. Yeah. They can't drive and they don't have their own money and they don't have their own autonomy because they're stuck at home and they're they're doing Zoom and they're doing whatever. Right. So they're not at school, you know, to be to hide in the locker room or, you know, to pass it between friends while you're in class or whatever that might look like. So Um, you know, for those of our listeners that are parents, like this is something to think about from a parenting aspect too, is like, you know, am I, am I really involved? Do I know what my kid's doing? Have I talked to them enough about this? Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I'm so interested to see what happens after a lot of the restrictions are lifted and to see if this is a long-term change or not. And also, you know what, I'm a little curious about how this data is recorded because isn't there an age limit to who can buy? Oh, for sure. Yes. So, so how can they, how are we measuring? I wonder like what kind of surveys we're using. Are we like sending surveys to middle schools and things? Because you can't measure based on sales. Right. You know, like who's yeah. buying for these kids and where are they getting it from? And I, I will say, so I will say that I do know, again, having kids in high school, um, mm-hmm. that they do surveys okay. in high, okay. in so high school do. about drug use and cigarette use and alcohol use. And yeah. And then yeah. I wonder about, how much they answer honestly, because there's a fear of punishment and retaliation and like, okay, am I going to get busted? Is this really anonymous? Is it really, you know, this is that lack of trust for, so I think, you know, if I had to guess, it'd be a lot higher than what the numbers are. Yeah. Well, and teenagers. And I, and I want to make a couple of points um, about, you know, yes, the pandemic has helped with uh, accessibility, but there's a few other things I think that in my reading, I think have helped as well is 
there've been, so when vaping first came out, you know, there were all these, uh, flavors that they were including. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, like bubble gum and grape and all these like yummy flavors. So it tasted really good. Well, thankfully the FDA has stepped in on that. So, you know, the FDA, I was trying to dig and find out, you know, what their regulatory system looks like on vaping. And it's honestly not super clear. Um, I know that they regulate obviously when nicotine is present um, and THC and that sort of thing. Um, But I don't think they do a lot of regulations on the rest of the ingredients, except for flavorings. That is one thing that they did step in and say, hey, if you're going to be a manufacturer and you're going to put flavoring in this stuff, you got to come through us first. And I think it's kind of a lengthy, expensive thing to get those approved. And, and that has really cut back and reduced teen use. Um, and then also, and I know this sounds horrible to say, but in reality, there's been some fatalities from this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, there have. I've read yeah. about them. Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk a little more about, you know, popcorn lung and that sort of thing, but um, yeah, there definitely has been an increase in, um, you know, asthma and lung infections and deaths in teens too. So I think the regulations that you're talking about regarding the flavors also happened with cigarettes at one point, didn't it? Weren't there yes. like flavors and things going on with cigarettes and then yes. like the FDA or some, you know, agency stepped in and said like, no, we can't do this because it's clearly marketing to a younger population. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So age restrictions, flavor restrictions, and fatalities also played a role in the decline of vaping, but the pandemic is, you know, as a whole, believed to have had the biggest impact on the decline. According to Brian Jensen, MD, MSHP, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and a researcher at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia's Policy Lab, who's worked with the American Academy of Pediatrics to shape tobacco policy, he said There is remarkably clear data showing that teens who try vaping are much more likely to go on to smoke regular cigarettes. Kids who are at low risk for smoking can be drawn to traditional tobacco products through their use of e-cigarettes. Children and teenagers younger than 18 years old are especially vulnerable to addiction. He said nicotine can change the biochemical pathways in the body, making, making paying attention more difficult and priming the brain for addiction. So that's, it's not surprising, like anything that we're doing as we're shaping our worldview and as our brains are developing and as our initial growth is taking place, it becomes a part of us, you know, and that's why trauma experiences at a young age or, uh, you know, belief systems and things that things, the things that we're learning from our surroundings and our peers and our parents, when, when we're developing initially as humans at a very young age and teens and even into our early twenties is is long lasting. You know, the things that we're exposed to after that point, like, I think there's a lot more objectivity of whether or not we want to accept or reject ideas, you know, but like when, when physical things are being introduced to our bodies and our brains while we're developing, it changes our, the makeup of our brains, the pathways of our brains, you know, that the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we view certain things, you know? So I can completely see how, you know, the younger someone starts this from a, neurological, um, psychological, and physical standpoint, how this causes a heightened risk for addiction. And I'm just wondering about, you know, even though this is nicotine we're talking about, is this kind of like the gateway to at least curiosity about other things? So cigarettes and also, you know, other drugs. Right. For sure. You know, sure. Yeah. So as, as clinicians, we know that periodontal disease is normally an adult disease. So speaking of periodontal disease, but, but due to vape use, we're seeing it in younger people. 
Younger people normally have more saliva than they need, so when they present with dry mouth, periodontal disease, or increased complaints of mouth ulcers, our next question should be to those patients, do you vape? And this is something I have to admit, I have not really considered, like you were saying. This is not something that has been in the forefront of my mind. You know, I think um, early onset periodontitis, and um, I know that they don't call it juvenile periodontitis, now they call it... uh, aggressive, something aggressive, early onset aggressive periodontitis, I think. Um, You know, I've seen plenty of that. And I wonder if that's the pattern of kids who vape or if it's more generalized, you know, I would think it's more generalized because I'm not sure that the, the bacteria present would be that of that, that more acute aggressive infection. Right. Right. Or not, you know, Um, it's also common to see more cavities in younger patients who vape, which may be due to the acidity of the components in vape liquid and an increase in cavity causing bacteria. So there are serious broader dangers surrounding vaping, particularly among adolescents. Most e-cigarettes contain nicotine, which we know is addictive. Nicotine has very serious effects, especially on the teen brain. It can harm brain development, which occurs into your mid twenties. It affects parts of the brain that control attention, learning, mood, and impulse control. So, so like, just think of that. So it's, it's affecting your attention. So your ability to focus in school, your learning, your mood and impulse control. So if I, I would love to learn more about how it's affecting impulse control and the way that that may trigger addiction. That is a very, very interesting thing to explore. So nicotine causes that pleasure center activation and the feeling becomes highly addictive, more so than alcohol and cannabis and similar to cocaine. Vaping in particular causes faster absorption of nicotine and thus gives users that high quicker than cigarettes leading to even greater addiction. Yeah, it's wild and crazy to me. Um, I want to dig into some of the harmful substances that are found in vape. And I got to tell you that, you know, as we were putting this together and I'm reading this, I'm like, I feel like this is what we need to share with our patients. Cause I feel like once you know this, you're like, why on earth would you ever put this in your body again? So let's dig into some of these. Um, Propylene glycol is the first danger of e-cigarettes. It's associated with the carrier product known as propylene glycol or PG, and it's primarily used in the production of polymers and in food processing. I would, I would like to just say at this point, clearly anything with the initials PG is bad for you. Yes. 100. I love that. (laughs) Yes. Um, It can be found in various edible items such as liquid sweeteners, ice cream, and whipped dairy products. It can also act as a carrier for various inhalant pharmaceutical products, including nicotine. PG is a viscous, colorless liquid that possesses a faintly sweet taste and is one of the major ingredients of the e-liquid use in e-cigarettes. When used orally, the breakdown products of PG tissue sorry, include acetic acid, lactic acid, and propion aldehyde, which are all toxic to enamel and soft tissue. In addition, PG is a hygroscopic product, which means water molecules and saliva and oral tissues will bond to the PG molecules, leading to tissue desiccation. The result of this is xerostomia or dry mouth, which has been shown to lead to an increase in cavities, gum disease, and other oral health tissues. So I want to pause right here and just go back to the part where it said 
the breakdown products of PG use, and then it listed what that includes, are all toxic to enamel and soft tissue. Because the soft tissue part doesn't surprise me, but toxic to enamel, that is very interesting. Well, that makes sense because it's acetic acid and lactic acid. So it's acidic. So it's acid. So it's yeah. acid. Okay, yeah. so that, that makes sense. It's just yeah. the toxic part. Like, yeah. I wonder if it's causing, like, I don't know. That's so interesting. Well, and it's, so, about you, the soft so you, and we put these two together, you think about you're creating an acidic environment and at the same time, decreasing saliva flow. Right. So, right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Um, they also contain vegetable glycerin and flavorings. The second danger of e-cigarettes is due to other major component of e-liquid glycerin and flavorings. Vegetable glycerin or VG is a colorless, odorless, viscous, and sweet tasting liquid. It has a myriad of applications, including medical, pharmaceutical, and personal care. In the food industry, it serves as a humectant, solvent, and sweetener. It is 60% as sweet as sucrose and is not metabolized by karyogenic bacteria, and it is therefore thought not to cause cavities. However, studies have shown that the combination of VG with flavorings produces a fourfold increase in microbiome microbial adhesion to enamel and a twofold increase in biofilm formation. In addition, a 27% decrease in enamel hardness was demonstrated when flavorings were added to e-liquid as compared to unflavored controls. The viscosity of the e-liquid also allowed streptococcus mutans to adhere to pits and fissures. In other words, e-liquid allows more cavity-causing bacteria to stick to a softer tooth and can lead to rampant decay. Wow, this is all, wow. It's like yeah. the perfect storm. It's like, yeah. the perfect storm. like what damage doesn't it do to your mouth? Right, right. And then of course, we have the nicotine additive. So although the percentage of nicotine is much lower, it's 0.3% to 1.8% than traditional tobacco products, one electronic cartridge, which is 200 to 400 puffs, can equal the smoking of two to three packs of regular cigarettes. The dangerous effects of nicotine on gum tissue are well known. The literature suggests that nicotine affects gingival blood flow as it is, is a vasoconstrictor. It also affects cytokine production, neutrophil function, and other immune cell function. In addition, nicotine decreases connective tissue turnover. All of this results in a much higher chance of developing gum disease and tooth loss. So that's something to think about that I think our patients think in their brain of, well, this has a lot less nicotine than cigarettes. So this is healthier for me. But the reality is if they're using it much more frequently, like what it just said is one electronic cartridge, which is like, I guess the equivalent of two to 400 puffs can equal smoking two to three packs of regular cigarettes. So that's something I just want to kind of hop in and say, because I have had patients say, hey, I've, I've quit smoking. I've started vaping. I'm really trying to use it to, to get to the point where I stop entirely. And so I'm slowly decreasing my nicotine. And in those patients, I would say, cool, like that, if you're really sticking to that and you have a game plan and you have an end date, then cool. I support you in that. Let me tell you about some other things, just so you know, like what these chemicals are, are putting you at risk for. Right. But we, for those patients that just think, oh, well, I've switched to vape because it's healthier for me, but you know, I'm getting less nicotine. These are some important facts for us to be able to share. Right. 
Um, there is something also called diacetyl, which is a chemical used to give food enhanced flavors. It is often used to make microwavable popcorn taste more buttery. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> depressing and unfortunate. I can never yes. microwave popcorn again. That isn't freaking organic. Yep. So today, diacetyl is also a staple ingredient of flavored vape products. Of According, according, right. According to a 2015 study by Harvard University researchers, diacetyl was present in over 75% of flavored vape products reviewed. Diacetyl is not dangerous to humans if it is eaten or swallowed. However, it may cause irreversible lung damage if it is inhaled. For this reason, scientists are concerned about the use of diacetyl in vape products as flavored vapes are meant to be inhaled. Oh my God. Um, and diacetyl, in, it is, it is. Diacetyl inhalation, this is a crazy story about popcorn for just a second. Diacetyl inhalation has been linked to popcorn lung, a progressive lung disease. With this condition, microscopic air passages in the lungs become inflamed, causing long-term scarring and difficulty breathing. Popcorn lung got its name when in 1999, a Missouri microwavable popcorn factory worker was found to have disabling lung disease. Mm -hmm. The same diacetyl that gave the microwavable popcorn its buttery flavor also gave an incredible disease to several employees of the Missouri factory when they inhaled the chemical. Numerous studies published by the National Center for Biotechnology Information conclude that diacetyl is linked to popcorn lung. Today, more research is being conducted on diacetyl's role in vaping-related illnesses. All right, let's talk about something serious for one second here, okay? Mm. It's a popcorn factory, and they called it popcorn lung. Right. Is it because, which came first, the popcorn or the chicken or the egg? (laughs) Is this a coincidence? Does it make your lung look like a popcorn? I'm just kidding. Okay, I couldn't help myself. Continue. (laughs) So if we're not freaked out enough... Let's talk about volatile organic compounds. These are created when different chemicals in vape products change and combine. A 2018 study published in the journal Nicotine and Tobacco Research showed that these compounds are created when the chemicals used to flavor vape products interact with glycerol and polypropylene glycol, which is our solvent liquids. So volatile organic compounds in vape products can include acetylaldehyde and inhaling acetylaldehyde can harm the skin, eyes, and respiratory tract and may cause cancer. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, there's acetone, which according to the CDC, acetone can irritate the nose, eyes, and throat. I feel certain we don't want it on our mucosal tissues or our lung tissue. Mm -hmm. There is formaldehyde, which of course the American Cancer Society states that formaldehyde can cause cancer in high doses. Wasn't that the problem with um, a lot of keratin hair treatments is that it had a lot of formaldehyde in it. And so they had to put restrictions on. Oh, I don't, I don't know that. I think that is, I think that is what was going on because keratin hair treatments, like it's something about formaldehyde and and keratin. And I don't know how it's regulated now, or if they've changed the makeup or if there's a limitation on, I, I don't know. I know that, I know that something happened regulatory wise in the hair industry regarding formaldehyde. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not something we should be ingesting. It's highly toxic. Um, in fact, according to the Surgeon General, when vape products reach temperatures above 300 degrees Fahrenheit, formaldehyde, a cancer-causing carcinogen, forms and is breathed in when vaping. So it has a lot to do with the heating up of these chemicals 
creating that formaldehyde. Got it. Got it. Other volatile compounds found in vape products include acreoline, butanol, crotonaldehyde, glyoaxyl, methyl glyoxal, and propanol. Can you say those again, please? Mm, I don't think I said them right the first time. (laughs) Um, Then we have heavy metals. Particles of various heavy metals have been found in the vapors of many e-cigarettes and vape products. Notable heavy metals found include arsenic, which was found in over 10% of vape dispensers sampled in a February 2018 study by the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and the University of Graz. Arsenic may cause muscle cramping, vomiting, skin skin numbness, skin cancer, and death. Lead, which we know is poisonous to humans. Um, Symptoms of lead poisoning include fatigue, headaches, constipation, and vomiting. In severe cases, lead poisoning can also cause seizures and permanent damage to the brain and kidneys. There is nickel, which according to the CDC, workers who have inhaled nickel dust on work sites experienced harm to their lungs and nasal passages. Some developed cancer in the nose and lungs as well. And then there is tin. High doses of tin-based compounds may lead to respiratory, neurological, and gastrointestinal harm or death. These heavy metals are only found in trace amounts in most cases. However, because vaping can be addictive, scientists are concerned with how, how these heavy metals may affect human health over time. And I want to jump back for just one second, especially when we were talking about frequency of use, you know, and I know we had that stat of teens, you know, of using it daily and using it 20 out of 30 days, like they are, these, these are in trace amounts, but if you're using this repetitively and daily, they start to build up and they start to add up. So it's very dangerous. And then we have the ultra fine particles, which are tiny clusters of matter found in the surrounding air, such as water droplets, dirt, and toxic chemicals emitted from vape products. Ultrafine particles are created as the vape device heats up. If inhaled, ultrafine particles can enter the lungs and even the bloodstream. From there, these particles can harm the lungs and heart. And according to the EPA, ultrafine particles can cause coughing, irregular heartbeat, lung damage, non-deadly heart attacks, worsening asthma, and death. So I want to just say something very quickly here because, you know, we know that there's definitely a damage to um, those who aren't smoking by secondhand smoke. I've got to think that these ultra fine particles put those of us who do not smoke or vape at risk because it talked about this happens when uh, the surrounding air mixes with the heat and, and we're breathing that in, not just through the vape. So something to consider for those of us that are around people that are vaping. If the chemicals aren't enough of a problem, we need to consider the power source. Mm-hmm. So e-cigarettes um, are used, utilize lithium batteries to heat things up. Um, and one danger to oral health associated with vaping is that not so obvious has to do with the battery used to heat the vaping liquid. Under certain conditions, these batteries can explode, sometimes causing significant injuries. If this happens while the e-cigarette is in or near the mouth, it could inflict extensive damage on the lips, cheeks, gums, and tongue, and those could be cut or broken. Reconstructive dental procedures might be necessary. So that being said... Um, I think that I'm feeling a little bit 
Um, I'm feeling a little bit curious this weekend. And I think, you know what I might try? Vaping. Just <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. There's so many appealing <laughs> things about vaping. Like there's clearly so many pros to vaping that I want to go out and get one as quickly as possible. Right. Isn't yeah. it crazy? Like that's to me, like just reading those ingredients and how they impact the body and the health. Like, I feel like if everyone really knew what was yeah. going on with these and how they, how they put you at risk that I feel like nobody would use them except probably teenagers because they feel like nothing bad will ever happen to them. Right. So, so that being said, it is important for us to educate our patients. Well, educate our teenagers. Well, um, you know, maybe take some notes, you know, put, commit some of this to memory so that we can really share and, and know what we're talking about. But um, I think we see a lot of this in our chairs and patients trust us with our recommendations and expect us to have new information for them when they come in. So I just think this is a challenge for all of us to get really comfortable with talking about this and educating. Yeah. And once again, I think this is a thing that really falls heavily on our shoulders because I'm not sure who else is going to have the opportunity that we have to intervene here. Like think about, okay, like when the um, the, I forget who it was. I think it was the head anesthesiologist of the Cleveland clinic said like dentists and dental hygienists, like you have to step up to your role. Like, listen, your people come in for preventive care twice a year. Like you have, you have an opportunity where like general physicians and emergency physicians and other people do not have that opportunity. Right. Listen, we have so much, um, opportunity where our, our clients or our patients are our captive audience where we yeah. get to say like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's going on with your health. You need to be informed of this and make an educated decision for yourself. And this needs to stop now, you know? So I think that we need to not underestimate our role in how we can impact the future of vaping and the future of our patient's health regarding vaping. Yeah. You know, I think this is a huge opportunity for us. And I think this is when like, okay, we need to realize our value and like step into the role and really put on the shoes and really realize you may not get another opportunity with this person. You know, no one else may get another opportunity right. with this person in your chair. So have the awkward conversation. Like that is our, it's our obligation. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I hope all of you listeners are feeling empowered after this today. You, you've gotten some new information. You've um, hopefully got a, got a passion in your gut to, to talk to patients about this and to be to help them be their best selves and be their healthiest selves. And that is our role for sure. So as usual, um, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have some, I would love if any of you out there have some really great programs for smoking cessation that you have been successful with, with patients, I would love to hear about that. I know Brittany would too. And yeah, so sure. if you haven't already, um, please download Mighty Network. It is a free app you can download on your phone and look for Bulletproof Hygiene and join us there. That is a place for us to be able to have conversation, to lean on one another, to ask questions, to share what's working, to, you know, to ask for help. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. And then I've heard from several of you saying, you know, gosh, I love your podcast. You know, I get so much out of it. I listen every week. Would you do us a favor if you're that person? And thank you for telling us, but will you tell everybody else, would you leave us a review? Um, that just helps it get out more to the public so that other people can hear and share as well. And we would really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And even word of mouth, you know, please tell your friends, yeah. like, tell them to listen. You can actually share a podcast episode with someone. There's a share option. So feel free to text it to a friend. You know, that's how I share my favorite podcast episodes too. 
Um, and then, of course, we've got our Bulletproof Summit coming up June 3rd and 4th in Nashville, aka Nash Vegas, um, this year, 2022. And we are beyond excited for this this round because we we have redesigned and reimagined the way that this summit goes and in in the past we've heard from attendees how amazing it's been for them how life-changing it's been how practice altering it's been for them um, and their entire teams but this year is going to be a showstopper I'm convinced because we have redesigned everything so that you can pick your track so there's team track there's hygiene track, and then there's dental track, and anyone, whether your team, your dentist, a hygienist, an assistant, whoever is attending gets to choose which course they want to go to which day, and, and you can mix and match throughout the day. So it's very, very personalized for you. So we hope that you will come and enjoy. If you have missed past summits, this is not the one to miss. Um, early bird tickets are already sold out. If you would like more information or you want to register now, please do, because they are going to sell out long before June. Uh, you can you can find them at bulletproofsummit.com. And if you have questions for us, just hit us up on our Mighty Network. We look forward to seeing you there in person. Have a great week, everyone. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.